too long because I'm only falling for plans. The movie's tonight, they laugh at you, chocolate. No, I'm not doing it. What I want to do is just share a few of the yarns. Um, and day off week, we have a week of celebrations. Um, strangely enough, the beginning of day off week started off as a day of mourning. You back in the history of day off, it started as a day of mourning. That people were um, so broken and shattered and they were sad that they couldn't live for their own lives. Part of that is, um, you imagine going out tonight, you pull up in your house, you get out of your car, and all of a sudden, these people come and grab you and the children and chuck you in the back of an old truck and drive off. You have no power, you have no authority or no safety. And all you're doing is shaking up what on earth is happening. The children are crying. What's happening, Dad? What's happening, Mum? I want to get off. Can we get out? And you're locked in here. And you're gone. And you know where you're going. Your house is left there, your car's left there, and you're nothing. And, and, and sadly, my old people, they, um, they, were, they were trucked around by cattle all over Australia. Um, the other example is where um, all over Australia, you can go around where people were put on missions, reserves. Um, you think a lot of crews, there's a lot of mission out there, you know? And what happens is, Government likes land, eh? So what happens is they say, oh, you're open people, you go up there because we don't want you in town. So they always put out people like migrants on them out of town. So they have to be in town because you don't see them. So what happens is, my friends are prime example. They put them out of town on the beautiful water and the bay. Well, they said, I'm going to this other side of the bay, so we'll move again. So they move them. And you go all down the south coast, you'll find out. Strange enough, I say like Ruth because now they're sitting on this beautiful spot in the Bay with millions and millions of dollars, and you see cars parked up inside the driveway. And you know what? That's worth a bit. But the government can't get it now because it's a class of historical sites and elements. I mean, that would be And it just sort of makes me laugh a bit. But now people have moved all over Australia, always moved from camp to camp. Funnily enough, migrants are always backed up with Aboriginal people. I don't even realise that. If you go anywhere in Aboriginal camps, historically you'll find migrants living there. Chinese people. All these different migrants have nowhere to live because the mainstream Australia didn't want migrants living there. So you'll find Aboriginal people with mixed blood, Chinese people, Germans, and, and all these different nationalities. And I know Germany and me, and I'm just a mongrel, but there's a lot of people. And what it means is the heritage of my bloodline is that twisted, that crazy. But I see that God and His goodness, He has a plan for people, regardless of what I'm Now, NAIDOC is a celebration, we, we have a blast. But many people don't remember the heritage of it. And the heritage was when a lot of Christian people instigated the day of the they, they, they cried for our people. Justice. They cried for equality in this country. And you go down to the South Coast and hear about all the um, different unions getting behind Aboriginal people and fighting with them and for them to change in this country. It's a, it's a great history. Every song in the region with the history of Aboriginal people to fight for justice equality in this country. Um, we haven't reached it yet. We're still trying to get justice and equality in this country. We still have sites in Australia. 
that are mine, that's gold, and all this precious. And now I run out of you to get in the way. And the government says, oh, it's a great idea. <laughs> and they'll override that from people. So yeah, you, you can dig it up. What it means is they can go to the safe and sides of trash, destroy it. Oh, but it's worth the money, we'll give some money back. But if your grandmother's house is sitting there, and they come with a bulldozer and run every grandmother's house, yeah, I would rock that house. says this always was, always will be. There's Aboriginal people saying, you know what, you can take our land, you can take everything, you can take our children, but it's always going to be ours. That's pretty desperate, isn't it? You can rape our place, you can destroy our country, you can rape our women, but this will always be our country. Now, as a Christian, um, that's why I put in here, everything I paint, me and my uncles, we always paint with God included in it. We can't leave God out because he's our God. He's our creator. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth. So what we did was we tried to bring God into this um, world where always was, always will be. Why is land so crucial to Aboriginal people? Because traditionally our mindset was this. Our children come from the land. Do you get that, what I mean? It's not about a man and a woman. It's, it's a, it was a concept of a spiritual mindset where our women would go down to a sacred place they conceive a child, a spirit child, and then the child, when it's born, would see a, a certain animal around and become a totem, protect their animal. So that, and the old people struggled because when they took them off the land, off their sacred land, they had no longer had access to the sacred areas for, children, for women to conceive. So if you take away that mindset and their, their heritage and the future of their people, you end up with nothing. You end up lost. 
and that destroyed our, a lot of our culture because they were ripped off it. And, and they were saying, well, how do we have our future children? How do they come back to us? And that's why you'll hear Aboriginal people with this desperate, desperate plea, my land is my life. Now, theologically, you come along and go, no, 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 no. Theologically, no, no, that's all right. Uh, Adam and Eve might have been made from the land and that. <laughs> but you fellas, no, you come from somewhere else. Now, but you can't take away the heart. Now, wherever you grew up, I guarantee you, you hold that dear to yourself. Wherever your family comes from, you will acknowledge it, saying, that's my, that's my heritage, and you'll be proud of it. And, and rightly so. Now, my people are exactly the same. And I say, where are you from? And they'll say, oh, this is where my bloodline comes from. Oh, yeah, oh, that's great, you know. And then you've got ties there. You have a right to that land. And ownership, uh, ownership is this. When you buy a house or land, you sign a contract and you think it's yours, eh? <laughs> and you put a fence around your house and you think it's yours and no one can come on my house, eh? And dog comes next door kicking the guts and send it home, you know. I won't let it on my property. Now, that's not, that's not God's view of land. That's you fellows. No, that's, you, you think you own the land, but you don't. God owns the land. And, and my people, when we say we own the land, we own the responsibility to care for it. There's a distinct difference. Ownership for the Western world is I've got the deeds and it's mine. When we own land, we say, no, we own the responsibility to care for it, to be good stewards of it, and all the animals there. So this idea of it always was, always will be, this, this idea that... Um, we have nothing, but we can still hold on to the, the view and the hope we have to care for the land, even though we have no authority, you know? And you can go places in Australia, you can't even walk on that land, even though it's your ancestral home. They say, no, no, you get locked up. <laughs> the police will grab you and lock you up and go on your own backyard. Now, the heartbeat of my people is, is, is uh, deep, deep-rooted, and, um, and we hold it very dear. And most, when we meet Aboriginal people, we say, oh, where are you from, brother? And then we know our family connections to them from there where they come from, you know? And we talk about who their relatives are because you have to know that to marry. You can't just marry anybody. You've got to know where their family's from, you know? And how much money they've got. No, you don't. But you've got to know where, the, where they come from so you know whether you can connect with them. And for us, it's, safe, it's, it's important to know. You can't just say, oh, she's a good-looking woman over there. No, you've got to find out who your family is before you can actually start approaching because then it becomes a, a, a cultural conflict. You marry the wrong woman, <laughs> it's bad, you know, <laughs> and vice versa. There's the structure around marriage and that. Um, so the land is crucial, but more important than all that is that God, he has it in his hands. Now this painting, it's simple. Um, there was a few of us that did it. We painted it black because in the beginning of Genesis we read how, you know, the darkness over the face of the earth and it's cool, eh? I love black because I looked in my mirror all the time, you know, what I was seeing. But the idea was that the darkness over the face of the earth reminds us that God come in and he spoke everything into existence. I mean, how powerful is God, you know, that's cool. So we started with black and then we, we put these Aboriginal dots around the side and my brother did that um, and he just wanted to remind, our, remind the people to look at the artwork that our culture is still real. Some people say Aboriginal culture is dead, it's an ancient thing, and it's, um, it's not relevant. Well, reality is, um, your culture is how you eat. 
Your culture is how you communicate. Your culture is how you talk to your elders. The culture is how you approach your opposite sex. That's all culture. That influences all you do and how you eat, what you eat. So our culture is not dead and we have strong culture all over Australia, but we have places where culture has been broken down, where languages has died off. You know, over 250 languages originally, different dialects, and now there's, it's very limited, you know, as a, as a fruit of, you know, stolen generation. So the land was important, we painted that, and then we got this um, picture of this big eye, and, and the kids, they can, they can see that because kids have good eyes, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you fellas if you can see it or not, but there's a big eye there. And my uncle painted that because he wanted the eye of the universe. God created the whole universe and he wanted us to be reminded that, that God created it. And then you've got these big Muppet hands, these big cartoon, you know, these big hands like that. And, um, and the idea that God's that big, he just like this here, just holds the planet like that, you know. And you and I might think that we're the best thing on earth, you know, and that we're real good, you know. And, um, and we're the cause of everything, you know. And this church is pretty massive, it's pretty cool, you know. But it's not the centre of Australia, you know. So the picture is that God has his massive big hands and he's holding the whole planet in his hands. And if you look hard later, come up there, you'll see yourself on that little map of Australia. It ain't small, you know. But the idea is that God's that massive. He can hold the whole planet and all the universe, which should remind us we aren't that great. <laughs> we aren't that special. But God sees we are. You know, we might think we're special, but God says, no, you're that special to me, I've sent my son to die for you. You know, it doesn't matter what your hair colour is, your skin colour, you know, God sees us and says, you're made in my image, I love you, and I sent my son to die for you. That's how special you are. It doesn't matter your heritage, you're special because you're made in his image. And you know what? You're all beautiful, you know. You could all be models if you wanted to be, because you're made in God's image. He says, no, you are beautiful. And when he looks down, he, he sees his son and his son goes, you know, this is my family, this is my family, this, that's your family. And then, and then you look at each other, that, that's my cousin over there, that's my cousin there, my cousin over there. You've got a lot of cousins? Yeah, all God's family is my cousins. They're my people. But sadly, in churches, we segregate ourselves. He's not my cousin, he's Baptist. Get him over there. And he's Presbyterian, now my cousins. Uh, because what's wrong with you fathers? Your cousins. Because we're all these people, you know, with family. So this picture of the earth, we've got Australia there because it's, you know, we've got to be there. But the idea of all these colours, you've got the stars, because God uh, put the stars up in there. And the idea is that even though we have a history, always was, always will be, my people long to have equality and justice in this country. They long to have a say. But I say to my people, have the heartache and the pain of our past, but know that God has it under control. That's hard to say to people when they're um, hurting, when they feel they have no say in this country, even today. We still have children taken. We have the highest number of children taken in this country into child welfare is Aboriginal people. Aboriginal children is still the highest ranking number of, of children going into care. So it used to be massive and it's still massive. It hasn't reduced. We still have the highest population of Aboriginal people in Australia going to prisons. We have, a, we have an increasing population of, of young teenage girls going to prison. How ridiculous is that? Our boys moogle up and muck up, but we're getting a greater rate of women, little young teenage girls getting locked up for all range of reasons. We have children 10 year old getting locked up regularly. 
Now, if you've got a 10-year-old child, I guarantee you wouldn't want to see them locked up. And I've sat with that many young kids who are 10, and that's why they can't even touch the floor with the chair. They sit on there with little pens like this. And you know what they say to me when I sit down with them? They swear at me like little men, trying to be tough, you know? And all I want to do is grab this little 10-year-old and cuddle him, you know? They come here, little fella, you just want to cuddle, eh? <laughs> and they're trying to be tough at me and be little men. No 10-year-old child should have to be sitting in a cell at night crying. No 10-year-old child should be sitting there locked up when his parents say, I've had enough of this kid, leave him in there. No one comes visit him, they're locked up. And they could do a year or two stretch, no family. Next one, they turn 11. And their family's passing away outside. And they hear their, their nan passed away, their pop passed away. They can't get out of prison, they've got to stay there. All of a sudden their world has changed and they get out at 11 and 12 year old, they've lost loved ones, they're angry. They're bigger, they're more aggressive. And they say, well, how come Aboriginal kids have got a bad profile and bad name? They get in a lot of trouble, they swear a lot, and our kids struggle with education because the world that they're in is a, is a harsh world. They can't be uh, readily accepted into it because of the profile. I take kids to the shops and, and I can guarantee you I'll watch the owners walk around behind us. And if I go bush, it's even worse, you know? You turn up in a bush town and like, everyone's watching, you know, hey, look at them. And they'll actually walk behind you, make sure your kids don't touch anything, you know? And um, it just saddens me that in today's society, there's racism. Did you know there's racism in the church? No, nah, it wouldn't be. There is. I don't know in your church, but I've been to many churches and I've seen it, I've experienced it. Um, our church was founded on racism. 20 years ago, because my aunties couldn't find a place to accept them in it. They weren't welcome in a church, because they, they couldn't fit in. They didn't fit with the main people. So the heartache of my people, always was, always will be, it's not just a slogan, it's a desperate statement saying, look, you've taken everything off us, but it's still always ours. And underlining that, I'd like to bring in that it's in, within God's hands, because God in his grace and mercy uh, still blesses my people. They're not driving Ferraris and that, but the sun comes up on them every day. They're still blessed. And you know what? A lot of my old people have nothing. They were living in old tin shacks and that, and the dirt floors and, and hessian windows, you know, the window there for the, keep the, the wind out and that. They have nothing. But when you sit there with the old fellas and have a cuppa and, and they'll bring out some stew or whatever they've got in it, you know? You're the richest person because they thank God for the little they have. They're not fussed about having a big house and a big yard and, and three cars. They'll just be glad to have their family and those who are lost to come home. And, and I always tell my people this idea about the brokenness, the, the heartache of my people. God hears their cries, hears their pleas. And, and my job to present the gospel. My job is not just to present the gospel, mine is to present them a relationship with Jesus Christ. See the difference? You can go and give someone a tract, knock on the door and say, I'd like to tell you about Jesus Christ and give them all oh, the best message you could ever give me, you know? You know what they see? They say, what are you doing on my front door? You don't even know me. 
Yeah, you want to preach to me about this Jesus Christ? No, when I look in the Gospels and I see how, how Jesus walked upon the earth, he walked and engaged and had a relationship with people. It wasn't rocket science. He took the time out to sit, to talk, and say, you're important. Now, let me tell you about the water that you can drink and you'll never thirst anymore. So what I'm saying is our gospel reach out to Aboriginal people historically has been very poor. So what I'm saying is they did a lot of good stuff. The missionaries came and did a lot of good stuff. Don't get me wrong. Yet they sought to Christianise us more than share with us a relationship. So we were taught to put shoes on, to put clothes on, to stop talking about our language and not to practice our culture because it was evil. And we're taught that we need to, to pray before we eat. And my mother tells me before she passed all the time up in the little station there that they would not feed you unless you prayed. It was just standard rule. You can't eat. You're not welcome to eat until you pray. So all these little black kids are sitting there praying their heart out, you know, trying, <laughs> trying to get some food, you know. And, um, but what it was, it was just teaching them, well, God's not accessible unless you A, B, C, D. And what do we do when we reach out with people of the gospel? We knock on the doors and say, oh, let me tell you the gospel presentation, A, B, C, D, and they're going, yeah, thank you very much. And then they say, would you like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Yeah, if you're going to get off my door, I will, no worries. And, and, and the reason why my people often will respond is because we can't disrespect spiritual people. I don't care if you're JW or UW or whatever else there is, you know. You, you say you're a, a, a spiritual person, my people always respect it and listen. Because if you don't, they'll be cursed. Because we have a very spiritual mindset, there's always a consequence for what you say and what you do. So I've seen fellas knock on Aboriginal doors all over bits of Australia and, and they come back and I converted 15 people and I'm thinking, wow, that's massive, man. And they're cheering and praising the Lord. And I said, oh, you're so, you're lost, bro. You don't understand. As soon as they drive from the car, my people are going, oh, I'm glad they got off my door, you know. And they just want to get them off the door. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take Jesus. You got any knives with that? Any, you know, any extra gifts? And then see you later. That's not a relationship. That's just a, a drive-by. <laughs> That's all there's a drive-by. McDonald's here. Here's Jesus and a cheeseburger and... I'm not, I'm not trying to play it down. All I'm saying is, for Aboriginal people, we're relational. If you're not going to relate to us in a real way, we're not going to listen to you. Does that make sense? Because your words mean nothing if your actions don't demonstrate it. I know it sounds simple, but the church, mate, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with us, but we still struggle to have a relationship with those outside the church. We still struggle to engage them because... We want it on our terms. And if it's not on our terms, we don't really want to play. And you need to go through A, B and C to even sit in our chairs. And um, if you want to be part of the church, you still have a tick box. And, oh, it's just funny. We love boxes, um, but they get cramped. And, and, and sometimes God can't fit in a box. He says, I've got a work to do here and you've got me in a box. So I'm trying to encourage you, I'm trying to challenge you that this idea about always was, always will be. Learn, maybe, the heartache of my people 
So then when you're praying, you will pray with a, with a knowledge that directs your prayers and you'll, you'll pray with a heartbeat that, that is real. Does that make sense? Because um, nothing worse than Christian tyre kickers come past, kicking your tyres, oh, that's all right, and you're right, yeah, you're right, and are you okay, and, and keep driving past, you know? Um, so the greatest thing, if you ever thought, what can I do for the Aboriginal people in this country? Two things. Learn, pray. Because you want to you wanna you have your prayers led by an understanding, not just media. Because media says a lot of stuff. And um, so learn, train your children up in it uh, so that they will become young people in this country who are going to have a, just a healthy respect, a healthy knowledge. Because if you go overseas on, your, on a holiday, I guarantee you, you'll spend the first half an hour learning about the culture of the people you go to. Oh, what's the pros and cons? What can I say? What can't... You stay in this country, people won't give 10 minutes to, know, to learn about our culture and our ways. They don't care. It's only when you go to a different land you'll, you'll bother learning about culture. And if you go as a missionary overseas, you'll spend weeks training about culture. You stay in this country and run a church, you won't get taught nothing. No, you will probably learn something. What I'm saying is, you won't learn about our people and your ministry in this country with Aboriginal people. So it's, it's wise to learn. So this idea about always was, always will be, what's it mean within God's hands? We've had a lot of heartache in our country, in our community, but God has went good. I have no doubt about that. I've seen God do amazing things amongst my people. I've seen the worst places in brokenness, um, and God comes in and heals the brokenness. God comes in and heals the scars of my people who've got scars that deep you wouldn't even see them. But God comes in and he just heals those scars, heals the brokenness, so that the next generation can hopefully get out from all the transgenerational trauma that comes down the line to our children, to our little fathers, you know, so they don't have to carry the, the, the heartache of the past. You learn from the past, but it doesn't determine your future. It's a cool little statement, but it's true. Our past, our heartaches, our pains, they only we learn from it. But hopefully our future is determined by God. So it's in God's hands. This country of Australia is in God's hands. Your life, you know, where you're working, who you're going to marry, how your children are going to grow up, all that is in God's hands. You don't have to stress over it. You just get up in the morning, start up with a prayer, pull your socks up and then your pants up, and off you go. And say, Lord, what have you got for me today? How can I bless? How can I love people around me? Because if you don't, you'll start up in the morning and you'll be selfish. You know what I mean by selfish? It's like self-centred. It's like, um, what do I want to do today? What's my plans for my life today? And, um, and you start off thinking about yourself. And if you, if you wake up grumpy, you're ready to growl at everybody. You'll snap at your missus, you'll snap at the kids, you'll kick the dog. You haven't even started breakfast by then, you already kicked the dog, you know, thinking, oh, mate, I've had a bad night. So start off with prayer, get right with the Lord, say, Lord, how can you use me? Oh, there's my dog, come here, pup. No, <laughs> the idea is start off right with the Lord and you'll get through the day longer than you would without him. You know? So, always was, always will be. Learn about this country and know that whatever is in your life today, whatever struggles you have on your plate this very minute, 
So you're sitting here going, I wish this fellow finished because I've got things to do. And you know, you're thinking, you don't know my life, bro. You don't know what I'm going through, are you? And I don't know what you're going through. But I know someone who does. He's my Heavenly Father. So whatever you're going through this very minute, whatever's burning up your mind and whatever's putting pressure on your shoulders and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get through tomorrow. Know this, that God has it in his hands. He's got it under control and, and he's got a plan for you, whether you like it or not. He's just saying, look, look to me. Cast your burdens on me for I care for you, he says, and just keep going. Have your wind, have your sook, but keep going. Don't just stop. So be encouraged. Uh, this country is God's country. You know? And uh, we live in it, all of us. And, we're, and as God's people, we family. Look after each other. It's not an option, it's a command. God says, love your neighbour as yourself. So just do it.